Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Are you rested? Uh, no. Because we're busy. I'm not rested. And we have an important trip to make. <laughs> we do. We do indeed. Yeah. 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 I'm not rested. Going back to Sin City. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, okay. That'll, that's a different story. That's a different story. <laughs> Hopefully it is not sad. <laughs> we'll have the dirty details when we get back. <laughs> okay. Well, i tell you what. We're, they're, they're up to the same business again. You know, Biden just got around and gave a speech, and uh, most people could understand the word. Give me more money. Yeah, we need it. more money. Yeah. He got that message out, but, but not a whole lot, just $106 billion. Yeah. And uh, the usual, uh, you know, round them up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they, they wanted, but it was mostly in foreign policy. Uh, everybody wants their hand out. You know, Zelensky was traveling around to try. I think he saw the handwriting on the wall. He yeah. had to work for his money yeah. before everybody was inviting him over. We want to be part of the hero who have saved, saved Ukraine and, uh, and uh, welcome him in and make him, make him an honorary congressman. Give him a speech on the floor. Yeah. But now he's hustling around and with his hat out there trying to get more money. And it looks like he's going to get some because, uh, you know, the dissension with the speakership has a lot to do with funding you know ukraine but there's more funding than that and which is a healthy debate you know that there just think how the how much we did we spend over there already over a hundred billion dollars yep. and they hardly said boo so that that is coming up but they have to get together and they have to get together to instruct the new the uh, the new speaker of the house and he has to agree to this of course that's they have a little ways to go there mainly what if they do have an agreement <laughs> They don't have any money, yeah. <laughs> so they'll have to work a deal with the Fed in order to take care of things. But uh, they needed an extra $105 billion. You know, Israel Israel wants uh, money. I'm surprised there's resistance to that. Mm. That's well. the most resistance I've seen. Uh, I'm sure they'll get their money. But uh, Taiwan, you know, just in case uh, peace breaks out, you, you know, in Ukraine and in, in the Middle East, that's not likely to happen, but they're prepared. We will have to make sure that uh, that we're involved in Taiwan in case there's a little skirmish there. And also, you know, they some people would argue, well, there's somebody for domestic purposes too for the immigration. But I see that as international and a foreign policy a mischief on why why this is going on because we're not defending our borders yeah. and, and here we have millions of people coming in here and uh, the money for them so it looks like there's going to be a lot of people happy to be think is will will they get credit so um, I, I, I know you check up on how the people are going. You like polls. Maybe the polls will tell us whether the people have been, been willing to go along with all this spending. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this looks more and more, and I'm not the first person who said this, looks more and more like Biden's campaign strategy. I'm going to show that I'm a world leader. I'm a wartime president. You even talked about that. I'm a wartime president. Uh, and that's going to take the place of him having to actually campaign. He's not going to have to debate President, former President <coughs> Trump. He's not going to have to appear because he's too busy manning all these wars that he wants. And as you say, he's looking for a three-front war. That's going to cost some money. So he turns to Congress. If we can put that first clip up from our friends at antiwar.com. He says, you know what? I need $105 billion because I need to arm Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan under 
his presidency, we now have a three-front war. Um, that's another $61 billion, I think, to Ukraine. And as you say, Dr. Paul, we've already spent about $130 billion there to zero effect because Ukraine has done nothing. The counteroffensive was a complete failure. And now they're in the part of the muddy season where they really can't do anything. So $60 billion for that one. And then we've got to give 14 or 15 billion, 14.3 billion to Israel because they have <laughs> used up all their weapons bombing the Palestinians to death. And then, of course, uh, you say some money for Taiwan. We can't let that go unspoken, so we have to spend over 7.8 billion sending more weapons to Taiwan just so the Chinese keep irritated with us and keep feeling like we're about to go to war. You know, there's a lot of mixed uh, opinion about the eight that we got uh, the, the, the speaker thrown out. Oh, yeah. But, but I heard one of the members of that group of eight talking the other day. You know, he was describing how desperate this country is and is going to get financially. And yet they're, they're looked at because they're, they're sticking to their guns. And, uh, and they, you know, they wanted to cut. But anyway, that, that is, uh, you know, dramatic. That is a, an example. This is dramatic. It shows where we are on this. There's, for the, for the whole Congress now, they're still spending the money. They're going to get this money. I mean, who, what are they going to put it up and vote down and everybody's going to forget about it? There's no way that's going to happen. There'll be a free lobbyist knock on the doors and, and they, they will, will get this money. But if you happen to stay, stand firm on, uh, you know, the Constitution, uh, the, uh, can, you, you know, the promises the party makes and also uh, what the people in Congress will campaign on. But, but when it comes to spending, they just don't have the courage to quit. But the, the, pro, the problem is that they don't realize it has, has already ceased to exist because uh, the, the theft of the money from the people has become difficult because they can't keep taxing people. So they, they, they don't even think about it hardly. They just run up the debt, you, you know, and, and print the money. So, so nobody's really worried about this not happening except the polls may be showing some signs that they're, uh, they're, they're getting tired of it. There was one statement in one article about uh, there, there was support for, uh, you know, uh, the, the Biden relatively better marks on handling the conflict at 8, 28%, and it was better than his overall, <laughs> overall thing, 8%. <laughs> so that, that, that is good news. That means that my cynicism isn't uh, completely <laughs> honest about it because maybe there are people waking up, but they will wake up. But what I fear is that they'll, they'll pick the wrong thing, the wrong people, and, and figure that we, we need more government. That's what's happening throughout my life, I think that's what happened. They create the problems, the worse it gets, the more government that people end up with. Yeah, We'd like to change that. Yeah, we would. Well, you started out by talking about how poor old Zelensky is not getting the attention he wants. We've talked about it on the show. Well, it's even worse than that. There are thousands of 155 millimeter uh, shells that are now going to be sent to Israel instead of Ukraine. They were supposed to go to Ukraine, but they're going to go to Israel. And so that's a big big problem. And the other big problem, Dr. Paul, as you mentioned, is that there is an increasing opposition to continuing to fund Ukraine. It's a massive money pit. There is no progress shown for all the money we put in. 
On the contrary, uh, everything we've done has backfired. And so the brilliant idea of Congress, of the Senate, is to put these two together. You know, they want to put the aid for Ukraine and the aid for Israel in the same bill because no Republican is going to vote against aid for Israel, they think. So tie them together and it's an automatic pass. And it's really incredible cynicism. And McConnell, Senator McConnell, he's the minority leader in the Senate, he is all in favor of tying them together because he does not want to see the end of funding for the Ukraine war. He doesn't want to. And here is his rationale. I think he was on one of the shows over the weekend. And if you look at this rationale, it, I have to say it, I know it's not nice, but it really does show a twisted mind. Put on this next clip. Here is Mitch McConnell. He says, no Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. We are rebuilding our industrial base. The Ukrainians are destroying the army of one of our biggest rivals. I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. I think it's wonderful <laughs> that they're defending themselves and also the notion that the Europeans are not doing enough. They've done almost $90 billion. They're housing a bunch of refugees who escaped. I think that our NATO allies in Europe have done quite a lot. So he actually thinks it's wonderful. He thinks several hundred thousand dead Ukrainians is wonderful because we're building up our industrial base. You know, it has been argued, and we tend to agree a lot about this as distant founders, that uh, be leery about uh, democracy. Sometimes it doesn't produce the best in leadership. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I was thinking about, reading all that stuff. And uh, these are the kind of leaders we get. Then I got to thinking, well, what about, what about the president? He was, you know, he was a, a, an example of what democracy can bring to us. And, well, maybe we have a good vice president. Well, now that doesn't answer the question. That democracy stuff isn't really really working all that well. But uh, it, it is a sacred cow, and uh, they're able to use that as the cloud that they never change anything. And all it is is special benefits. Now, some elections could be more legitimate if they were honest election, and the people didn't, or the government didn't have you know, so many goodies to pass out. Yeah. That's why there's an investment. They, the people invest in this in crooked government because there's a lot to be gained, a financial gain. They don't, they don't look for the satisfaction of saying, you know, I did that one for the cause of liberty <laughs> and, uh, and, and that, is, that is good and somebody's gonna be a freer person now and we just liberated Ukraine. So <laughs> after we destroyed it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Carelessly. Yeah. Well, you know, the rationale of this whole thing of tying them together is that they will take advantage of the popularity of military aid to Israel to cancel out the unpopularity of more military aid to Ukraine. Now, that's the thinking in McConnell's mind and in the minds of the Democratic mm -hmm. leadership in the Senate and probably a lot of the House. So that's the idea. There's only one problem. Put up this next clip because this is a poll that came out over the weekend that I found fascinating. Now this is CBS News. It's a CBS News YouGov poll. Amid concern about wider war, Americans give mixed reactions to Biden's approach toward Israel-Hamas conflict. Now it used to be automatic that there was overwhelming U.S. support for anything Israel decided to do and overwhelming support by Americans to give them military aid. Well, this is a fascinating poll because it shows that is no longer the case. 
This is, I think, one of the most fascinating questions. Go to the next one, because the question is, would, should U.S. send weapons and supplies to Israel? And this is by party. The Democrats say 53% of the Democrats say, no, we shouldn't send them anything. Among independents, 55% said, no, we shouldn't send them anything. In Republicans, yes, the majority said we should, but it's only 57%. It's barely over half of Republicans say, yes, we should send Israel weapons. And when you combine the three of them, the vast majority, certainly the majority of Americans do not support Biden's policy on Israel of sending more weapons. So that is a huge shift. And I've looked at some other polls that show that this is also very heavily weighted by age. Younger people are just not as enthusiastic about our Middle East interventionist policy than the baby boomer generation, the 60-something people. The younger folks just aren't into it. So I think this is really a shocking poll showing that the trend it's not even going in the warmonger's direction when it comes to Israel, which used to be an automatic. Yeah, and, and, and you know this is a um, a, a measurement of uh, of the, pr- the of the pr- process that goes that goes on, and and people are getting sick and tired of this uh, whole effort to keep pumping more and more money into into the area. But uh, the, the it, it will it will come to an end. Uh, the whole thing is is when and how will it happen and how many people uh, are going to uh, suffer. But you know this is uh, this all could be prevented. That's the part that bugs me because when you think about it. Why, why are we in this mess, this crazy talk about how much, $100 billion and we have to divide it up among our, our, oh, our, our enemies or our friends or <laughs> whatnot, the, the recipients anyway. So all they needed to do was obey one rule and it wouldn't have happened. If they'd obey the Constitution, yeah. there's no authority to take money from poor people in this country and give it to rich people in these war zones. So, it, so the thing wouldn't wouldn't have happened, and uh, and yet we still we still do it, and uh, but it's always the process, and this invites the special interests, the competition that goes on that we witness up there. How and, and the, you you just pointed out a perfect example, you know. And then the Ukrainians have to uh, fight for the money, uh, you you know, uh, with uh, uh, Israel. Who's going to get the most? Well, we'll give them. Everybody gets some. You know, yeah. and and maybe maybe this is going to be come to a close close vote. So they might say 105. It's not quite enough. But this got <laughs> a 120, and come I think on. we can satisfy everybody and get this thing passed. Yeah. You know, so and bring peace to the world. Maybe we can get them to sneak a billion in for us. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would know. But you know, I think you know we talk about sending it to rich people overseas, and that's partly true. But I think McConnell really spilled the beans on this because it's not necessarily that he's saying, hey. This money is going to go to our weapons manufacturers. Yeah. It's good for business. <laughs> and, of course, you look at who his donors are, and there you go. There you have it. <laughs> so that's how it goes. Well, let's have a quick look at northern Gaza, and I think this is why some of the opinions are changing in the U.S. These kinds of images are shocking the world. Uh, this is a hellscape. If you look up, Dr. Paul, you can see this is what it looks like. Um, and there have been over 5,000 people killed. Well, obviously, people think that you must retaliate for a terrorist uh, attack. This does not seem to be that. This seems like uh, something much more. Uh, but one other thing in this $105 billion, there's money for uh, illegal immigration. You'd say, oh, well, they're going to tighten the borders. They're going to get tough. Go to the next clip. Well, here's a little thing from the 
from the White House. This is uh, Representative Mary Miller. She pointed out Biden released his so-called border security funding request. It includes $850 million for expansion of migrant pathways <laughs> and refugee resettlement from the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. from the Western Hemisphere. So, yes, it's border money. It's money to open the border even wider. So <laughs> this is how they're going to deal with it. And speaking of that, Dr. Paul, our second topic, if we can go next, is something that you were very interested in. And that is that uh, the governor of Illinois is a little nervous. There's going to be a convention in his cap in Chicago, the Democrat convention, but there is a lot of illegal immigrants being sent there. You know, isn't, isn't it interesting that they use the immigration issue for political reasons? One, that if, if you want to come across as somebody that's very humanitarian and open-minded and not closed-minded like Republicans who don't want to spend the money, we will we'll show you what it is like to be be generous and take care of people we'll invite them in and they and they can be rescued here so and it, it happens for a long while and they say well the immigration is good and good as long as they all go they finally decided as long as the immigration goes to the red states yeah, yeah. but if a red state and i guess Texas is uh, guilty of a little bit of this stuff. Uh -huh. They bust them up to places like Chicago. The reason this one article caught my attention was, uh, you know, the anticipation, the political intention, because they used it, you know, uh, liberals and progressives use this as a positive that we're good people and we'll take care of people and we won't, we won't let anybody out on the streets, but uh, a few will have to sleep in tents or something like yeah. that. So they, they, they do that and uh, then, then uh, they come along and they say to them, uh, uh, what, 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 was, what will happen is, uh, is the, 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 it becomes a political football. And it reminded me of 1968, because I remember oh. the, the, the convention up there. But it was over a war issue. It was over Vietnam. And the people who were opposing war, you know, they were radical progressives, but they were against the war. Yeah. And uh, the Republicans and, and Nixon, they were all for, for the war, uh, except in 1968, it turned around, the pro-war people were smart enough to realize that the Democrats had a lot to say. Johnson and the, the others, they had a lot to say why that war was going on. So they made a plan and they, they, they had a list of all the far left progressive groups and they invited them all and they all went to Chicago and uh, boy, it was met with re resistance. Uh, the, uh, that, that was, and, and Nixon won that election overwhelmingly. Yeah. you know but it was total chaos so uh that that is what i keep thinking could that happen again and i think the people in this country are they'll they they they're saying well yeah uh, we, we can take care of this but uh we we just want to make sure we have help here pritzker the governor they everybody's involved but he's but they're getting a little bit nervous now uh -huh. about with that said he is com quote, confident that local officials will be able to handle whatever spate of uh migrants arrive in uh, lead up to the convention as long as they get sufficient federal money <laughs> so all, all of a sudden that's it and it's uh, it's texans that caused all this problem <laughs> and they're trying to survive the border invasion so that that to me 
is uh, you know a, a rough situation, and and uh, the, I, and I and I look at the borders as, as a you know it's it's a, it's a foreign policy position. Do you let people just come in yeah. or what? And uh, and I don't know of any decent American would say we hate foreigners yeah. we don't want foreigners or nothing I don't think you because I think people mostly listen to it said you know all of us you know had some relative immigrate here yeah, you yeah. know but it was usually under very different circumstances so I think this is uh, you know something that is is going to be interesting to watch and it could it, it, it could backfire just as much as it did, you know, on the Democrats in the 60s. They finally got tired of it. And I think the polling that you were talking to, it looks like uh, back then it was the Democrats uh, separating from their own Democrats. But this is, I think it's Republicans and Democrats. I think it's the people, sort of like nobody asked. When, when people start sort of rebelling uh, with about the uh, COVID, mm -hmm. no, nobody asked if, if ever two or three hundred parents going to some meeting yeah. and complaining. Nobody said, "Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat?" <laughs> yeah. they, they they became they became united because they saw what the government was doing was harming their kids. Yeah. And uh, right now people are starting to see all this spending and nonsense is, you know, this idea of Biden saying, well, oh no, it was uh, uh, McConnell. Yeah. Well, we don't, none of our people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> as, if, as if that should be a moral principle that would relieve you of all responsibility. Yeah. Cynicism. <laughs> Well, I just want to uh, go to that one clip, uh, skip two and go to that one short and just, just punctuate what you're saying, Dr. Paul, and this is what Pritzker is irritated about. If we can, I know it's confusing, but skip two and go to that shortest one. There we go, thank you. So Pritzker, he's the governor of uh, Illinois, big guy, very wealthy. Pritzker recently told CBS Face the Nation that, quote, someone needs to work in Texas with these border politicians to have them stop sending people only to blue cities and blue states. And it is kind of funny because it's the blue states that say, oh, we need unlimited immigration. Come on, come <laughs> yeah. on in. But you got to live in Texas. You got to live somewhere else. So it is a little bit ironic uh, and a little funny. You know, I want to go back to this whole thing about the war issue. What war are they opposing, uh, opposed to? And uh, of course, it's not Vietnam. People worry a little bit about Ukraine, but uh, they are cynical enough to say, well, there's no bounty bags, Americans, so why, why the big deal? Yeah. But um, there is a war going on, and the war isn't uh, a, a neat little war that uh, lasted a while, like the Korean War, a neat little war like, uh, you know, Vietnam, that was a horrible, horrible uh, war. Uh, but we've, I, I see that we've, especially since in the 21st century, we've been in perpetual war, perpetual war against, uh, you know, ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we and uh, everything we do is an attack on civil liberties and privacy of the American citizens. And uh, we, we, there's a, there's a war against the justice in this country. Yeah. People, people aren't uh, confident. They take sides on which judges they like, but it's pure really hate and, and working it out through the, the judicial system. And uh, this, this to me, but the, just think of the other wars. I made a little list here. Uh, and 
the Middle East, how many wars since uh, this century started? Middle East, Iraq, and all that. Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, Ukraine, the Palestinian War, yeah. uh, uh, all this thing. I think, I think, no, you don't have to have something identical to Vietnam to to rebel against it. So I, I think there, uh, there, people, people see that. Yes, uh, the one thing that I was halfway wondering about, and that was when do, when does. Uh, immigration become an invasion yeah. and uh, I was talking to libertarians and they thought I was too weak on the immigration thing everybody should come but if you too too weak uh, then, then 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 that is is bad but uh, when does a when does an immigration become an invasion yeah. and I don't know how you can do it because they don't look there there is an invasion and the way I look at this personally is are they doing anything? that we would not complain about if they were doing it to our house. Yeah. Our country is our house, and we have uh, a system of uh, laws and all that bring people together to, to live within bounds. And uh, the smaller number of laws, the better, and we have a libertarian view there. But uh, they, they, uh, they don't say, seem to, get to, to care too much about that, but uh, I think it's the war issue. It's a war against liberty, and it's a, it's a war. There's a lot of hot wars here, and uh, there's still, and sometimes people might even think if they're universal and they want immigrants to come in, what happens if it becomes universal humanitarian concern and think about all the deaths that have occurred in this century because of our foreign policy? Yeah. Both sides, yeah. you know. Absolutely. There's a lot. Of, There's a lot. Time to end it. Time to end it. Well, if we go to that last picture, this is a Monday. This is the last couple of weeks of our fall fundraiser. Uh, and as hopefully many of you know, uh, Dr. Paul's brand new book, The Great Surreptitious Coup, Who Stole Western Civilization, is a gift that we will give to you. You cannot get it anywhere else. You cannot purchase it. It's our gift to you for supporting the Ron Paul Institute, the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Uh, your support is tax deductible. We are a 501c3, so to the extent of the law, it is tax deductible. I will put a link in here for how you can get a copy, either a soft copy or a permanent forever hard copy of Dr. Paul's terrific new book. A uh, couple weeks left. I just opened the last box of books, of hardcover books, which are going like hotcakes. So help a great cause, help the cause of peace, and let us give you something as a thank you in return. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, I talked a little bit about the convention coming up and tried to make the point that uh, it could be a very exciting uh, effort in Chicago again, where the 1968 convention was held. And it really was a sign and a symptom and, uh, and actually predicted the next the immediate election in 68 as well as in 72. In 1972, the war issue had gone to the point where there were, uh, Nixon uh, uh, or McGovern only won one seat, one state. So that's, that's pretty definitive of what, what happens when uh, people get tired of it. But the tragedy there was Nixon had, had this mandate. He ran on stopping the Vietnam War. And it lingered for years on, and thousands of Americans continue to be killed. 
So too much talk and the action of people, it must be, they get awfully frustrated when they do finally stand up. But that boils down, I think, so often to the standing and the evident morality of the people at large about what, what kind of people want to, how the people want to live. Do they want to live in a tyrannical state as long as they get bread and circuses? Or are they going to say, no, I want to be free and I want to live with all my own decisions as long as we obey the rule of no injury or violence toward anybody else. That is the way to preserve liberty. That is the way to promote peace and liberty. Thank you for tuning in today. Please return soon.